Support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com fool. And thanks to Harry's for supporting The Motley Fool. This holiday, give Harry's and give handsome. Get your holiday shopping done early and take advantage of free shipping. To get a limited edition holiday shave set while supplies last, go to harrys.com fool right now. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. All right, welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. We're publishing this Wednesday, December 13th. As always, though, we've taped the day before. That's part of our magic here. We tape on Tuesdays, publish on Wednesdays. That that way, my talented producer, Rick Engdahl, can get rid of all the gaffes and mistakes that I make from one week to the next. In fact, I want to call out a fun tweet from Paul Essen, at Paul underscore Essen. I know Paul. He's one of our employees. But here was his tweet in the past week, speaking of me making mistakes. He said, at RBI Podcast, given how precise he normally is with words, I was surprised to hear David G. Fool suffer from RAS syndrome in the latest episode and say, ATM machine. I guess that's just my own personal pet peeve. I have to briefly share the humor around this. I did not know what RAS syndrome is. It is a Wikipedia entry. You can read more about it. But it stands for Redundant Acronym Syndrome Syndrome. In fact, part of the humor of RAS syndrome is it's having fun with itself by itself being a violator of what it's trying to point out. So, yes, I think I did, Rick. Darn it. You didn't edit this last week? I think I did say ATM machine, when we all know ATM stands for Automated Teller Machine. So, that was an RAS syndrome error on my part. Now, Rick, you know I'm never going to blame you anyway, but I'm used to making a lot of mistakes. So, yeah, that's why we, in part, tape on Tuesdays, publish on Wednesdays, but sometimes even on Thursdays, I read about how I blew it. But I like to know that I blew it, because that helps me, I hope, get better. So, thank you, Paul Essen. My good friend, CMF Hubes, Jim Hubrexi, said on Twitter, I forgot my PIN number at the ATM machine. Smiley. And uh, Jim, I get it. I like it. All right. This is a podcast you should have been looking forward to, but how could you have when I didn't really talk much about it in advance? But it's our Motley Fool Rule Breakers Investing gift giving special. That's right. In this season of giving, I'm here to try to help you out a little bit this week. Think about how to give gifts, the best types of gifts to give. Maybe a creative spark for you. And because I'm not full of great ideas like this myself, I think of myself as kind of a mediocre gift giver. I decided why not have a couple panels of fools? Why not have three foolish men in, then three foolish women in, and then one foolish financial planner to talk about financial gifts? Why not do that all? in one podcast tied up with a bow. And so, that's what we've done. So, we flipped a coin. The men are up first. I'll shortly be welcoming in Chris Hill and Robert Brokamp. If you're a Motley Fool podcast listener, you probably know those two names. Uh, And my brother, Tom Gardner, our CEO. And then I'll have Three Foolish Women and The Great Foolish Financial Planner. I will close this week with my top five board game ideas, because I think you know this. I love strategy board games. 
How could I not share a few game ideas? But for the most part, what we're doing this week is not giving you the hot gift or what you need to put under the tree for somebody else. More about how to think about giving and how to improve your own giving, even if it's last minute. But before we get started, let me mention that we have a Rule Breaker Investing Podcast Extra coming up this weekend. Every year around this time of year, our Motley Fool Philanthropy team does an annual holiday drive in which we recognize a partner, a new charitable partner, where we will ask you, my listeners and all Motley Fool members, to consider giving, writing a check. And this year, it's going to be All Hands Volunteers. This is a company that, well, over 200 million lives are disrupted by natural disasters every year. This company enables you to volunteer, to contribute in lots of different ways to people who are living in disaster zones. It's a fine company, and its founder, David Campbell, will join me for a brief interview. That will be this weekend, coming on Saturday. Listen for me and David Campbell of All Hands Volunteers and our Philanthropy Drive. So that's what we're doing this week. And without further ado, let's get started. And now I'm really excited to start our Foolish Men's Gift Giving panel. And I am going to briefly introduce this illustrious threesome that I have here around the table my brother Tom Gardner, the CEO of our company, Robert Brokamp, Rule Your Retirement Advisor and Motley Fool Answers podcaster, and Chris Hill. Market Foolery, Motley Fool Money, Motley Fool Podcasts writ large, lots of other things too. I think each of you is pretty familiar to any Motley Fool longtime fan, especially a podcast listener or somebody who comes to our member events or just buys from our company. We hope you know the brothers Gardner who are here at the microphone. I want to start with one of the most generous people that I know, and that's my brother Tom Gardner. And I'm not going to embarrass him or go through a lengthy list of how generous he is with so many people around him, but he is. Take it on my word. And Tom, I just want to start by asking you. So, I'm listening to this podcast. It's Rule Breaker Investing. It's our gift-giving special. And you've got an insight or two for me to help me think a little smarter about giving in the next few weeks, if you will, because that's on everybody's mind, but maybe just the next few years. Help us think through, how do you think about about giving? Well, thank you for those kind words. Um... I think of you as an extremely generous person, as do I think of Chris and Robert that way as well. I guess I'll you say you really do think Chris that way. I mean, I think we could agree that Robert. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Robert, yeah. yes, but not. not I think so David is that. very generous with his sarcasm. Um, I, sarcasm is the wit of fools. Um, I think the first principle of gift giving at this point in human history is to do so without ever having to go outside. Mm. So I think you know, just hang there at your computer. Click. You get it all done. Click. Uh, why? Why get out there? Why go outside anymore? Why do that? Um, uh, number two, I, I favor the Amazon gift card. Um, I have a I have a principle that I'm leading to, and I'll and I'll do it quickly. But awesome. I favor the Amazon gift card because I think across all the gifts that I've been given in my life, which have been wonderfully uh, thought thoughtful and generous, uh, probably half of them have hit. Hit home for me, and that means like half are things that sat in closets, or I had to figure out what to do with. And mm. the Amazon gift card, with even some recommendations, like I think maybe the electric toothbrush would be great for you, um, <laughs> X Y Z person. But you choose what you actually need, because I don't even know if you have an electric toothbrush, right? And why give you one if you already have one? I don't even know. <laughs> so I find sit at home on the Amazon gift card. It's it seems like it's not a loving move, but I do believe it. But beyond that, my real principle and the principle that we were taught by our parents was to really give the gift. Of of experience and learning and something that creates a memory rather than a thing that usually has a hmm. depreciating um, utility 
in life uh, versus that memory that lives on forever. So taking the time to think through what experience do you want for your friends and family to have that you're giving gifts to? All right, excellent. Since I insulted him, and it was totally unfair. I mean, I love the guy. Chris Hill, you have to go next. Uh, You're a very generous person. You're generous with your time to join us today on short notice, no less. Chris, help us. Add add to the conversation. I'm I hear Tom. I, I'm my listener. A, a worry I might have is that I'm going to now get ten different Amazon gift cards. I'm going to be overwhelmed with just Amazon gift cards, and I'm not even sure that's a bad thing. That is but... not a worry that I have. If anybody's wondering, how, how does Chris Hill approach the giving season? Ironically, uh, one of the ways I approach it is in direct conflict with something Tom said, which is Beautiful. I actually do like to walk the streets of Old Town mm. and just go in and out of shops. Um, every year, I make a point to, usually the week before Christmas, I will just turn off my phone, put some music uh, in my earbuds, and just walk down King Street in Old Town and just go in and out of shops. Because that, for me, is a way just to open myself to discovery, usually of, of stocking stuffers. Is there a particular thing. day that you do that each year? Um, like, do you know when you'll be doing that? Because there are so many Chris Hill fans that listen to this podcast. If they know December twenty second, you're walking Old Town, Old I Town, think, Alexandria, Virginia. I think, I think it's usually Christmas Eve. It's usually the afternoon of Christmas Eve. Uh, is that true? That it sounds. Is, yeah. That sounds possibly desperate, Chris. I know it's not, um, but that's isn't that it? It it started out of desperation. You don't feel. Are anxious? you somebody who enjoys? Um, Photographs and signing autographs while you're walking Old Town. It's never been an issue for me, <laughs> so I, I can't speak okay. to that experience. Okay, no, but that's um, great. So that's that's the first one. You're getting good deals, I guess, right? Because it's the 24th. Does that matter? Sometimes, but usually I'm just looking for the unexpected, and I'm just I'm just opening myself up to the possibility of just being struck by something, saying, "Oh, one of my kids might like that, or my wife might like that." Mm, that excellent. sort of thing. All right, that's number one. So that's number one. Um, number two is. Every year, I try and find one or two gifts. Not, I don't always succeed for everyone in my family, but I try and find one or two gifts that are geared completely around humor. There is, there is a, a family joke that we have. There is something funny that has happened recently. So, and so finding a stocking stuffer, finding um, for several years, um, uh, my wife, and it's okay, I can talk about her because she doesn't listen to this podcast. Um, um, she, uh, she burned a few uh, oven mitts. Uh, she'd be just cooking something and maybe leave it on the stove, that kind of thing. And so, um, it just became this running joke that at Christmas, there would always be a brand new oven mitt. Because we knew that at some point in the next 12 months, one was going to burn. But anything that can tie into humor, anything where I know when this person opens this gift, the gift is almost beside the point. It's really just about having a great laugh on Christmas morning. (laughs) That is awesome. Robert Brokamp, I, you've distinguished yourself in our office in years past with the Christmas mixtape. It's true. Um, I know you don't maybe do that as much anymore because it's not as much a tape or even a, right. a CD these days. But before I introduce you with a couple thoughts from you, I wanted to say how much I enjoyed the Market Foolery bonus episode that Chris and Robert uh, created together with the help of Bill Barker. Bill Barker the, down at Molly. The inimitable Asimich. Bill Barker. Uh, but that was a tremendous hour and five minutes or so that, <laughs> it that was unexpected. You guys, I think, did it last week. But anybody who's a Market Foolery fan, if you didn't hear that bonus episode, check it out. What was the title? The title was Apropos of Nothing 2. Yes, yes. <laughs> and holiday, I enjoyed one. The Holiday Edition. Holiday Edition. So, anyway, outstanding. Uh, Robert, some thoughts? So, first of all, I try to stay on the lookout for gifts year-long for mm. Christmas and birthday. And I have an Evernote folder, so it's a cloud-based file system, that I 
write down ideas. And if I'm ever out with someone and they're shopping and they pick up something and they clearly like it, I surreptitiously take a picture of it and put it in that folder. So, for example, for my wife's birthday in October, she got something that she saw over the summer when we were on vacation. So that's one way that I keep track of ideas as people come across, because otherwise I'll never remember them. That is outstanding. And Robert, let me ask, by the time we reach, let's say, December 1st for the calendar year, how full or not will that Evernote, what does that look like? Oh, it's huge. It's like, huge. Like, like how much it's stuff? Because it's, for, um, it's all kinds of things. Is it is it like 75 items, 22 items? Uh, no, it's certainly more than 50 at this point. And I do have to, by Chris, by the end of Christmas, I have to cull through it. Because I have ideas from years ago for my kids, and yep. they've sort of outgrown them or not. Awesome. So, basically, be, be thinking about gifts all the time. Right. And, and even now when ready. you're shopping. Like, I bought something for my wife that she saw on Black Friday. She's looking at it. I take a picture, so, so I remember it, and then I came back. Do you think she knows? <laughs> I was up. I was wondering. Up like, oh, oh, look at this iPhone 10. <laughs> um, look at this iPhone 10. Just, just taking a quick here's, glance. She, here's the one. So, if not, I hope Elizabeth is listening. As right you, now. as you may all know, one concern with the the phone generation is that we're all looking down, and people are recommending that you hold your phone up. Mm. To look at it, mm-hmm. so she thinks I'm probably just looking at my phone. You're filming and not, a lot of people. When and you're fi- out and well, about. see, I've had that too. People think I'm fi- mm-hmm. taking pictures mm-hmm. of them, and it's only you that I'm taking pictures <laughs> of. Because he's going to be a gift one day for somebody that's that you know. Exactly. Mm. That's really that's that's foresight. That's a great approach, Robert. Yep. Really. Uh, and the other thing that I do is that I, I do like online. Throw so I love Amazon, but I also love sort of more offbeat sites like Uncommon Goods and Etsy and ThinkGeek. I go to those sites and find something that I know that they liked. And then all these sites will also give recommendations based on that. So I scroll down and it's basically like if they like if you like this, you'll also like these things. And I scroll through those for new ideas. Hmm. Awesome. Okay. So we I, I this is horrible. I almost have to whisk this team off the stage because I have my foolish women's gift giving panel. Can I ask very one shortly. Question? You sure I mean you just did. <laughs> uh, one more? I just did again. Is it a quick one? Um, it's pretty quick. Go. Do you ever negotiate when you're out there? There's some people, by the way, there was somebody in the Motley Fool community years ago I read, and basically he's always like, oh, you want 50 bucks for that? I'll give you 40. And he says one out of three times as he's walking out of the store, they're like, well, how about 45? Have you ever negotiated when you're out there? I tried it when my, my wife and I paid for our, our own weddings, and we were strapped for cash back in those young days. So I tried it a few times and it never worked. It never works. Mm-hmm. Okay, good. Yeah. Uh, so here's my final question for you each: If it's the last minute, because some of our rule breaker investing podcast listeners make last minute decisions or have last minute needs, all of a sudden they're like, "Oh my gosh, I don't have something for blank." Do you have a particular approach that you might take, or a tip for me as a last minute shopper? Right away, I see Chris Hill already nodding his head. Chris, I have absolutely been in this position, and my approach is to fully embrace. The amount of money I'm going to pay in shipping, I don't even think twice about it. It's like, okay, that's how much it costs to get it here. By the day I need it, fine. I am all in. I have to get this done. I don't even think twice about it. All right, so just don't worry about the shipping. Just embrace the. That is the price that yes. I pay yes. for waiting to the last. Are minute. you an Amazon shareholder when you say that? Because Abs- I just want to. Yes, I am. <laughs> okay, good. I want to know. Uh, I fall back on experiences. Get tickets to a play or something. Go to Groupon. Look for what's on sale. Buy it. Print it out. I would say, even if it's not completely sincere, a deeply emotional phone call with that person. 
<laughs> do you do right. write out a coupon Christmas for that? day? Just yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> Just you what sh- people are waiting for. Show as much as you can care, and then come a week later with something. Well, as we said earlier, sarcasm is the wit of fools, but. <laughs> Never know when he's being sarcastic, really. <laughs> All right, that was a lot of fun. Thank you, gentlemen. Really Expect appreciate your time. a deeply emotional phone call from me. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thus much for the foolish men. The foolish women are on deck. I see them right across the glass. But first, support for Rule Breaker Investing comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Now, Rocket Mortgage is simple. It allows you to fully understand all the details and be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to rocketmortgage.com/fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states. NMLSconsumeraccess.org number 3030. And I should mention. After a year of reading that a lot out over this podcast, I want to thank Season's Greetings to our friends, especially at Rocket Mortgage, for all their support of Motley Fool Podcasts here in the year 2017. And now it's my delight to welcome the Foolish Women's Gift-Giving Panel to this podcast. The first of what might, I don't know, maybe this should be an annual tradition. We'll find out later from our listeners whether they valued our advice. I'm really delighted to be joined by Cheryl Palting, who is our director of Foolish Impressions, and Lisha Fuentes. And Lisha, you're an events and ops coordinator here at the Motley Fool. And finally, Melissa Malinowski. And Melissa, you are a global project manager for Motley Fool Global. So I, I like the redundancy. But each of you, beyond your official seeming job titles here at the Motley Fool, is a wonderful, foolish friend and somebody who is called out by her peers. As someone who's good at gift giving, so I just so kind of nice. sent the word out. I was like, "Who's good in this office?" And so those were our men, and these are our, our women. And it's a delight. And since I introduced you in this order, Cheryl, let me start mm-hmm. with you. So help us out here again. I am somebody who's listening to this podcast. Normally, we're talking stocks, but mm-hmm. since it's the giving time of year, I'm looking for a couple of insights. Maybe some way mm-hmm. to be more creative or more efficient. Cheryl, give us one or two tips about gift giving. Yes, so here at The Motley Fool, we help the world invest better, and sometimes people can think we focus a lot on money, but I think gift-giving doesn't necessarily have to be expensive. For the budget-conscious friends or family members in your life, um, I encourage people to get really, really creative and think about your own talents, whether that's a um, mm. an ability to create a card from scratch and write a handwritten note, whether you can sing really well or dance really well. I mean, I've had friends who say, I'm on a budget this year. I'm not doing presents or material gifts, um, so don't get me anything. But at the end of the day, we ended up just planning a um, listening party to all of our favorite songs. So everyone brought their own Spotify playlist of all of the songs that either they really love or they have memories associated with other people in the group and we just had fun listening to songs and reminiscing about the previous year. And something that everybody will remember mm-hmm. more and than one year later. It was free uh, because I mean even if you don't pay for Spotify 
on the premium side, you can still access the songs. And I am not a Spotify shareholder, but I feel like I should be. Well, and you can't be quite yet. Although in 2018, if you're looking for a gift, Cheryl, I could give you the gift of the possible Spotify IPO. Now, I'm not going to necessarily give you a share, because I'm not sure how much it would be. And I'm not sure Spotify is going to be a great investment. We'll see. Pandora, one of my stock picks, has not been a great investment. But uh, there's a little bit on Spotify. All right, so that's a wonderful starting thought. Do you have a mm-hmm. Do you have a second complimentary thought or a, a different thought? Yes, and so going back to this group of friends idea, um, where you just have a lot of people that you have to give gifts to, so it can get expensive. It can take a lot of time, um, and a lot of times friends don't want to make those decisions or they're having trouble getting something. I mean, it's pretty common to hear someone ask another person, "What do I get this person? I have to give them a gift." and for me, you don't have to. I think um, if you're open and honest with your big group of friends or even a smaller group of friends and say, hey, guys, let's just hang out together. Let's plan something. So if everyone is a fan of baking or eating baked goods, um, everyone get together for this one night and let's bake something. <laughs> or and eat this, baked goods. Yes. And this can be your gift. I think so. there's so such a pressure to buy something in this day's age. But I think there's, there's a lot of value in just spending time with people and being open and uh, knowing that sometimes money isn't necessarily the thing you have to spend, but it's just time. Awesome. Thank you, Cheryl. Leisha. Yes. Okay. So, I have two tips that we'll go over. Um, and then I kind of, based off what Cheryl said, was inspired by another one. Good. So, we'll see what happens. Great. Um, the first one is, I'm always a fan of taking notes of things that I hear as the year goes on. So, um, my husband's actually really, hey, really good at this as well. Um, so, for example, um, I think it was a year or so ago, Lady Gaga performed at the Super Bowl. And I used to dance, so I'm a big um, fan of good performers, like Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga is also one. So, I was rocking out in front of the TV. A few months later, <laughs> for my birthday, he bought me Lady Gaga tickets. Not once did I ever say I want to see her in concert, but he made note that I was a fan of her performance. Similarly, I watch cook shows with my little sister who loves to cook, and one time she was watching, I can't remember who it was exactly, but she was like, oh, I really want a cast iron skillet so I can make that. Never put it on her list, but this year I got her cast iron skillet because I made note of it. Now, it does take a little bit more work. You do have to take out your smartphone and maybe make a little note section in your phone and say, okay, this is what so-and-so said, but it definitely delivers that wow factor because when they forget about that gift and you bring it back, not only are they excited about it, but it does show that you were listening to them and you kind of took in what they were saying. I love Thank it. you. I'm loving it. My next tip is, so my daughter was born almost two years ago and having a child, I realized you get so much junk um, and they might love it for <laughs> yeah. two seconds but my tip is everything is cuter when it's small and fluffy, yes, but this is a phenomenal phase in their life because they can get two things and be, you know, amazed by it or a hundred things and be amazed by it. They don't know the difference between the numbers. So I would say, if I'm blunt, be cheap these few years while you can, yes. while they don't know what they're going to get. Give them a few things. They don't need the name brands. Just get them something that they're going to enjoy. And, you know, maybe something that's actually practical that they, you know, it maybe I always ask for things that help with their development. So something mm-hmm. that's a fun toy, but actually helps them grow as well. So again, you don't need the stuffed animal for your little Tommy who's super cute but will only play with it for maybe two weeks or so. Especially if he has 12 others, right? Absolutely. That's part of it. Absolutely, and it causes more clutter in your home. Leisha, you brought your two. You also said Cheryl inspired you. 
She did. So she mentioned the idea of giving time. And something that I struggle with every year is I have a large family. Plus, um, now that I'm married, my husband has a large family. So my gift giving list is getting really large and getting really expensive. So one thing my family did one year was rather than buying each other gifts, we all paid for ourselves to go on a family trip. And that was a really fun experience. So if you don't want to go through a list of 12 people, maybe you all just have a fun experience together instead. Outstanding. Thank you, Leisha, and thank you, Cheryl. And Melissa, kind of a couple tough acts to follow. What do you got? Well, and and mine completely goes in line with both of yours, actually. So, uh, number one, I really believe that time is your most valuable asset. So, I like to think about people in how did they spend their time that brings them long-term joy? And then alternatively, how do you like to spend time with them? So for a gift for my mom one year, I uh, bought us tickets to go to the International Hot Air Balloon Festival in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Wow. Um, And it was- That appeals to the whimsical fool (laughs) in me. That sounds awesome. Yeah, and it was on my mom's bucket list to go on a hot air balloon, Mm -hmm. and we love- um, New Mexico, and and so we just had an entire week together, and it was wonderful because mm-hmm. she lives halfway across the country, so I don't get that kind of time with her as much anymore. So it was really meaningful to both of us, um, and I will never forget that. Um, so that's something I definitely believe in, uh, and it's also not just people's hobbies, but how they're actually spending their time. Mm-hmm. Some people will say they're golfers, but are they actually spending their time golfing? Because if not, then don't try. buy them a new set of clubs. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, so my second uh, bucket, I guess, is uh, how do you feel about stuff? People have very specific relationships with the stuff around them. Either it causes a lot of anxiety or it's something that they feel that they need to surround themselves with. So I like to think about people in that way. So if you walk into someone's house and it's super modern and pristine and there's not very many things in there, they're probably very selective about the items that are brought into their home. So those people I definitely go for experiences. My brother is one of those people, so I got him a kayaking on the Chicago River uh, one-hour tour. Um, this year, his, he's going on his honeymoon, so I'm going to... I'm hopefully no he's not spoilers. <laughs> hopefully he's not listening. Um, Nobody listens to this podcast. <laughs> no, he's, he's going to Peru for his honeymoon, so oh, I'm going to wow. buy him a wallet, but I'm going to get currency from Peru to put in it so that, you know, it's one of those annoying things when you travel mm-hmm. to have to get currency, and so... Hmm put it in there before so you get on the ground and you can already do that and you skip that exchange portion of your trip. Awesome. So I'm never exactly sure of the numbers behind this podcast, but it is my, I think Rick can nod or not across the glass here. I think we have more guys listening to Rule Breaker Investing than gals, I think. So more men listeners. So with the guys in mind briefly, um, they're trying to think about what would my girlfriend, sister, wife, (laughs) really want? Or how do they think differently than I do, maybe? Can you help the guys out there? Just think about the gift that you would really like to receive personally. You may have already kind of put it out there with your ideas, but think about receiving something from any kind of guy in your life. What do they need to know? So I can take a stab at it. I think it really depends on what type of person this gentleman is buying for. Is this person really materialistic? In that case, they might want a nice new purse rather than something practical. Um, I'm definitely more on the practical side, and 
for some reason, my husband won't take that for an answer. When I say I want space storage bags, <laughs> I am genuinely excited. I don't I don't wear a lot of heels. Um, I'm again I'm more practical. If I'm going to wear them once a year, I'd rather buy them for my sister. He wants to buy me a nice pair, but I will not be happy. So really, listen to what um, the woman in your strong. life actually wants. I if think she... I'm making that mistake, Alicia. <gasps> but because because you, you feel like you want to do something special. Mm-hmm. But that takes you out of a realm of practical sometimes. And maybe by just listening and learning, she really did want something practical. Yes. At least that's my case. For me, it's literally anything on my plate that is considered emotional labor. <laughs> do, you know, sometimes it's like, yes. I want a house cleaning company. But it's not that I just want the house clean. I want someone to go and actually, like get the quotes and figure it out and schedule it and take the whole onus of it off. So, yes, hands down, taking things off my plate rather than getting actual things. Excellent. Have the men considered gifting a subscription to Rule Breakers? I'm kidding. <laughs> I, but in honesty, Is in all honesty. Is that the honesty. perfect way to end this panel? <laughs> I don't want to end it, but wow. But I, I'm women are better investors, and I think... We should embrace that um, kind of joke gift, kind of not. But I think involving your significant other or your close friend or your f- close female family member um, in what you're passionate about, whether that be investing or kayaking or traveling, I think that is above and beyond anything you could buy for them because you're wanting to share part of your life with them. I love that. One of my favorite gifts that my husband got me was uh, he. I asked for a video game that the two of us could play together. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. Now, Melissa, I understand you're already married, but if you ever like to be married to somebody else as well, I would. That would be that would be awesome. Not quite legal yet. <laughs> but yeah. But then we, you know, we got through the whole video game, and now there's other iterations of it. So every mm-hmm. once in a while, we'll get the new version and and play again because you know he gets into his niche and and niche. Niche. <laughs> Either one works great. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's the thing. Finding things that you can enjoy together. Absolutely. Yeah. And listening. For sure. Well, that was a delight. And Cheryl, I want to briefly call you out because I had the fun of working some with our summer interns mm-hmm. at The Motley Fool in 2017. And you were their leader. And we all played a game together because we're developing a mobile app mm-hmm. to, to gamify the stock market a little bit for younger people. So they were playtesting. And at the end of that few weeks mm-hmm. where we all played together, you played as well. You did very mm-hmm. well. But Thank you. we decided we wanted to have something that was a quick gift um, mm-hmm. for, for everybody to, th- to thank mm-hmm. them for participating. And I think we mentioned this to you, Cheryl. Like, let's say it was on a Wednesday, and we were all having our final gathering on a Thursday. Could you just briefly describe what you did in those 24 hours? Yes. Well, it was an idea that came from you guys. I was merely the the implementer of said idea. Mm, if you say so, <laughs> but keep going. Um, so going back to my first tip, I think it was my first tip about getting creative, especially if um, you're talking to budget-conscious families and friends. Um I created these paper plate awards, just grabbed some markers and just wrote awards out for everyone, um, collaborated with David and the uh, the team working on the new project on what the awards would be, but I made them fun. I just Yeah, to just say paper of... plates may not really fully convey. <laughs> there were lots of different colors, I think some, some mm-hmm. glitter. They were each a, a, a unique individual piece of art right. that you had created 
in the 24 hours before that. And so maybe it does tap right back into that first tip you gave, Cheryl, but I wanted to call you out for that because it was was something I still have my plate. Yeah. Like, (laughs) I would also maybe mention the sunshine jars. Yeah. So another free creative gift that um, a lot of people really enjoyed here in the office were these sunshine jars or happiness jars, as other companies have come to call them. But you just get nice notes and cards from people around the office. Um, It could be one sentence to an entire paragraph. You print them out, put them all in a jar using different colored papers, and it's really pretty. But anyone can go back into their jar and look at what people Hmm. wrote about them. I think that would be great for a family Mm -hmm. to do for each member of the family. Just leave the jars out and at your own convenience, put a nice thing. Yeah. Wow. All right. I'm not going to say that you outperformed the Foolish Men's gift-giving panel. I'm not going to say that. You can say it, David. But it's (laughs) applied. It's okay. It wasn't supposed to be competitive, but great job, team. (laughs) Cheryl, Leisha, Melissa, thank you very much. Full on. Thank Thank you. you. All right. So I hope you found that helpful. Whether you pulled something from the men or from the women or from both, whether you thought one of the panels was better than the other, I hope we rewarded your listening time. And now I'm going to introduce a guest to talk about financial gift giving briefly. But before that, thanks to Harry's for supporting our podcast. This holiday, Harry's is offering custom and limited edition shaving sets that make perfect gifts. Sets come with German-engineered five-blade cartridges that provide a close, comfortable shave and foaming shave gel that smells amazing. There are special limited-edition winter chrome and emerald green handles, and you can personalize it with engraving. So no matter what you're looking for, Harry's has you covered. Sets come ready to gift in beautifully designed gift boxes and start at just $10. And I should note, they have great stocking stuffers, too. So now, as a special offer for fans, we've partnered with Harry's to give you $5 off your order when you go to harrys.com fool. This offer is only available for the holidays, so this holiday, give Harry's and give handsome. Get your holiday shopping done early, and Chris Hill, take advantage of free shipping. Thank you, Harry's. All right. Well, it wouldn't be a Motley Fool gift-giving special if we didn't talk a little bit about financial gift-giving. And gift-giving writ large, it can take different forms. And here to help us think through that is Mona Shaw. Mona is the Director of Operations for Motley Fool Wealth Management, which is a sister company of the Motley Fool company that I work for and that Rule Breakers, the podcast, comes from. Mona, a delight to have you with me. Thank you so much. So, obviously, a couple tough acts to follow, but I know you're worthy of it because it's one thing to say, you know, do this or that, or with Chris Hill, walk through on December 24th, <laughs> local stores, no time. But it's another thing to think financially about what kind of gift giving, if, if you're thinking about financial gifts this time of year, that might be appreciated or might be efficient or just a good thing to do. So, Mona, start us off with your first one. But before you do, I'll just mention that one of my childhood memories. Um, it was more around birthdays than, let's say, the ho- the, the holidays. But um, for some reason, I would get a, a a gift card, and it would have dimes stuck in little slots in it. Now, dimes don't really work as much these days anymore. But that was my memory when I think of financial gifts in my own youth. It was like flipping open a gift card, and there were little dimes inserted in the slots, so maybe a dollar or something like that. So that definitely was one form of financial gift. What do you want to kick us off with? Well, I think it's important to uh, to package these gifts. Any financial gift is uh, not likely to be flashy. 
It's not going to be the thing that somebody opens up on Christmas Day and it's just like, wow. Uh, Unless (laughs) it's a huge check. Check. Right. (laughs) But we're not going there today. But no, uh, this is a little bit different. It's not flashy. uh, So it's it's maybe uh, considered a gift to, you know, future Jane or future Johnny. Uh, But it's uh, it's also important when we're talking about financial gifts not to gift an obligation. So Mm. I uh, I totally appreciate Cheryl's suggestion earlier about sharing your passion. Uh, if you do that and you don't get great feedback, maybe don't force it. Recognize that you know there's another way to the ultimate objective. So, mm-hmm. starting off, uh, I would say you know if you've if you've done the you know share of stock of Disney and or the Motley Fool Investment Guide and it didn't take very well, maybe consider uh, opening up a regular brokerage account at a firm for them. And buying them an index fund or ETF, knowing that what they have is time. They don't have to monitor that investment you know, day in mm-hmm. and day out. And it's something where they can then grow it at their own pace. They can add other funds. Maybe they decide to add some stock, or maybe they decide to open an IRA in conjunction with that. But that's a great way to give the gift of exposure and get over that first hurdle of investing. Yes, I hear you. So, Mona, where you're headed with that one, I'm thinking about my conversation with Joe Perna recently on this podcast, where we talked about stock gifting. And I'm certainly a fan of the idea of giving some shares to Mm -hmm. a child. But you're pointing out that not everybody wants to be a stock picker or has the time. And so, maybe just that index fund, which can be kind of in the best way, kind of a brainless thing that they can add to over the course of time. Yes, that that might be for a lot of people a very fine way to start them. Absolutely, and and the other thing, right, is we know that you can add to that every month if you choose to, right, by the automatic deposit, and then it grows in perpetuity. And again, it doesn't require any more brain cells a month from now, which is something that people want to avoid for you know for people who are not big fans of investing. Yes, I understand. All right, that's number one. The second one is uh, about the motivation and maybe what led you to investing in the first place, and that's to share, uh, either in a dialogue or in a letter, what motivated you to to get into this in the first place. What are your hopes and dreams as far as what the investing will do for you, what the investing will do for your kids? Most families don't talk about money very often, or if they do, there's a lot of awkwardness around it. And I think the the gift of having that conversation about uh, you know, what was it like when you were a child and what drove you to, to take a certain path? Those are really mm. important conversations to have. Uh, I know that as the daughter of immigrants, for me, it's incredible to know where my grandparents started from, where my parents started from when they moved to this country. And knowing that, I'm a lot more motivated myself to keep things going in that direction. Wow. So, I'm, I'm trying to see how this looks as a Gift, I guess, a, a written letter, which is the sort of thing that somebody might save forever. I, that's what I was envisioning as the best way to do it because it also takes away that uh, that awkward opening line of how to do the dialogue. That's a little bit like the birds and the bees conversation mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. And so I actually think that a letter, you know, it's a little bit like opening up a diary, but one that you're okay with your kids or your grandkids seeing. That's so personal and probably gives them some insight into the person you are that is not just a parent. Mm. 
or not just a you know a sibling or something. That's a, a real part of you. That could be deeply meaningful. I see what you're saying, and you know, for for some families, maybe maybe they do have a culture where they they're a little bit more open. Sure. So so maybe this one's over hot apple cider a little bit. Maybe it's not a gift. Maybe as you said, it's just the word dialogue, and and maybe it's not right right there on the big day, sure. Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever. Maybe it's the day two days before or two days after, but family right. times, family opportunity. Absolutely, it's so important to you know whether it's keeping up with, uh, you know, your parents plans for retirement or your kid or grandkids' plans for college, those are all really great financial conversations to have while you're in proximity, as opposed to text or over the phone. Mm. Those are two good ones, Mona. Do you have a third? I do. I think it would be great if people found a financial literacy class or a financial planning seminar to attend. If you're somebody who's already well-versed in finance and investing, I think the best thing to do is offer to attend with them or offer to excuse yourself and let them go on their own so that they have the freedom to ask questions that they're maybe intimidated by somebody who's as knowledgeable as you. You want to give them the personal space to be open about that and not intimidated in that space. Even if you're the nicest person, that that knowledgeable person next to you yes. can make somebody feel very inhibited. Right. So it comes down obviously to the recipient in this case. Yes. Would they particularly value you going with them because they're like, I'm scared to go to some financial seminar yes. on my own? Or maybe this is a time that where you're showing them that it's time for them to step out. You're setting them up, but you're setting them up to be more independent minded. And so it comes down to them. Yes. Yeah. And is this? Did you ever receive a gift like this? By the way, I mean, in, it sounds it sounds good, although I'm I'm picturing somebody opening this up on a big holiday, and it's it's a it's a financial seminar at the community library at 7 p.m. next Thursday. Does that make this person? Does it need to make this person happy? So. I don't think we're going for happy. And again, that's why I put out the disclaimer <laughs> that we're we're not. This is not your Shazam gift. This is not the the wow gift. But I do think uh, when I say it's not for happiness, there's a quality of being content, mm. and I think this is something that's a catalyst to get to content. I like that. Yes. So it's not going to sparkle or glitter. It's not going to make noise or hop around on its own. (laughs) This is something, though, that at the right time for the right person, something that they will deeply benefit from and give them a sense of contentment looking backwards. And have you remembering that Mona said this on the Rule Breaker Investing podcast, and it all worked out really well, and you wouldn't have thought of it otherwise? Correct. I never had a specific class per se, but my parents set an incredible example of finance and behavior, and I think that's what I took away from mm. it was being able to follow that uh, in intimate setting where other people, I think, have to look. Um, not everybody has the luxury of having uh, parents who are so instructive in yeah, you financial bet. behavior. Yep. All right. So, Mona, for each of our previous panels, I had sort of my final question for them. For you, I'm just going to say, do you have a bonus fourth? I do. One of the best things that my parents did for me that I didn't appreciate at all at the time, the 20-something and 30-something Mona vastly appreciates, <laughs> my parents gave me a credit card when I was in high school. But they were the ones 
who were paying for it. So they saw all the transactions. They would never let me go above the limit. And that allowed me to build credit and learn how to treat a credit card. David, I was in my 20s before I understood how a debit card worked. Because I had always treated a credit card essentially as a debit card. I could Mm -hmm. never spend more than I made. And that alone made me stand out from my peers in their 20s who were learning the hard way about credit card interest rates and how to spend within their means. So I think for, you know, for parents, I know it's a risky, it feels risky, but I think a credit card is a great gift of independence. Awesome. Mona, thank you for all four ideas. I knew you were going to bring it, <laughs> and sure enough, you did. And if I'm a listener and I'm hearing about Motley Fool Wealth Management for the first time, or I might have a follow-up based on something you said, how can I reach you? You can go to the website www.foolwealth.com. We have a team of financial planners, and we are always happy to help people. Awesome. Happy holidays. Season's greetings. Thank you, Mona Shaw. Thank you, David. All right. Well, I mentioned at the top of the show, and I'm going to close this one with five board games for you to think about if you're a gamer and you want to know what's Dave playing these days or what do I recommend as a gift to be given. Now, before I do that, I want to briefly pepper in a couple of my own thoughts. Mainly our panels, I wanted to hear from them, but I have picked up one or two things about watching good gift givers over the years, and so I'm just going to share out two ideas of my own. One is somebody who's really good at gift giving in my life once taught me, think about who you are and what you stand for, what you do, and give something of yourself. Because if you're giving to somebody who loves you, they'll appreciate that, that you put something of yourself into that gift. So, whether you're talking about Cheryl Palting creating a sunshine jar or a special paper plate, or in my case, sure, we're about to head there, games. A lot of people who are around me know that I love games. I love teaching games. That's a gift that I could give, just teaching people a board game or or games themselves. It makes a lot of sense coming from me. So, what's something of you that would be appreciated by others that you can put in some form of package and put under somebody's tree? And then, maybe point number two, if you can find this thing, it's pretty magical in my experience in terms of efficiency and almost your personal brand building if you can find this thing. And what do I mean by this thing? This thing would be a go-to gift that you can give every year. And by doing so, people come to expect it from you and you deliver it every time. Let me give a quick example. So we have dear friends of ours around our age, early 50s, so we've kind of grown up with them, and they're from Maine, and every year we get a wreath. It's from the state of Maine. It's a beautiful, traditional, in this case, Christmas wreath, and they send it to us every year. They always send it just at the start of December, so it's going to be on our house all month long, sometimes into January as well, and we know to expect that from them. And if I'm them, putting myself in their shoes for a sec, isn't that kind of great to already have your idea and just to be able to repeat it year in and year out? So, do you have something like that. I'll share one thing that I do here at The Fool with people who are connected to me. This is one I dreamed up and I can repeat every year. So, for a rather mediocre gift giver, this was a good thing that I happened upon that I repeat every year. So, I give gift cards to teammates like Rick Engdahl, my podcast producer, or my rule breakers or stock advisor stock picking teams. And it's always going to be a gift card from one of my stock picks. So, I'll look at, let's say, 
five or six companies, a nice motley array of different types of consumer experiences, and it's going to be a gift card for that. You can pick. You're allowed to pick from the menu, but they're always going to be from my stock picks, from stocks you'll find in the Supernova universe. So that's just a good one that can kind of infinitely scale for me, and I can repeat every year, and maybe it becomes like a main Christmas wreath, an expected thing. Not that we should ever expect. Okay, there are a couple of thoughts. Now let's close it out with my list of five board game ideas for this holiday season. Now, there can be a tendency for me to drone on about games, but I'm going to discipline myself because we're at the end of a special podcast and I don't want to overstay my welcome. So I'm going to keep moving quickly with this list. I do want to say that it's ordered from, you know, number one, which will be the most accessible of these games, the one that everyone can play, through to number five, which will be the hardest core for hardcore gamers. So if you're not a regular board gamer, or that's not a big part of your family or cultural life, strategy board games, please don't even think about what I say for number four or number five. But if you are a hardcore gamer, chances are you might even know one or two of these anyway, but that's where you want to listen in. So let's kick it off then with number one. And number one for me, uh, for about $15 or so, Codenames. Codenames came out about a year and a half ago uh, from Vlada Kavatil. It is a word game kind of modeled on Password for those who know the old game show, but it's played in teams that compete against each other over the same board of cards laid out on the table. There's a spy theme. I'm not going to try to explain the rules of this game. The good news is it only takes about five or ten minutes to explain the rules to this game. And if you're in a family gathering full of gamers and non gamers, it's awfully helpful to have a game like that. So if you don't already know code names, I highly recommend it. I think it's one that you could be playing ten years from now, it can become a family thing at Motley Fool events, at member events. Sometimes we'll promise a game at the end, and we'll always throw this game down on the table, because it's a great thing you can play with friends or strangers. And I will mention that in the last few months, a new edition of Codenames called Codenames Duet has come out. And if you already know Codenames, you might not know that Codenames Duet, this new version in a green box, is a cooperative two-player version. So you could play with a spouse or partner cooperatively a game of Codenames. It's very well designed like each game in the Codenames family. Anyway, there it is, number one, Codenames. Number two is the game Seven Wonders. Now, Seven Wonders is a card drafting game. I won't even explain what that is if you don't know what it is, but it's a very accessible card game where you're kind of playing through three eras. Since it's Seven Wonders, we're talking about the seven ancient wonders of the world, so that's the theming of the game. And you're going to have a hand of cards, and you're going to draw one out of it, keep it for yourself, and pass them to the left. And then you're going to take the hand of cards from the person to your right and pick another one to add to your hand and keep passing around. So you're card drafting, and it's it's a fairly simple strategy game. It's going to take about half an hour to teach. It does work with non-gamers, but there are some more serious concepts, so we're already getting into more of the gamer focus that I have for this list with Seven Wonders, but certainly a very accessible card game and sort of a crossover game, too. So, for a lot of people who might know Parcheesi, or they might know Apples to Apples, or Ticket to Ride, if you know that one, this is kind of one step above that and acquaints them with a little bit more strategy thinking, but not too much heaviness with the rules. So, Seven Wonders, which has been out for some years now, Always a good one. It plays up to seven people. Number three is Quest for El Dorado. Now, this is a very recent release, and it's from one of my favorite game designers, Reiner Knizia, a friend of the Fool, somebody that we've gotten to know over the past 10 years or so. Reiner has come out with a deck building game. So, this is one where you are kind of buying cards and adding it to your unique deck. Then you shuffle the deck and draw a hand of cards from your personal deck that you've been buying cards for throughout the game, and you're racing to be the first to find El Dorado. And there are different ways to set up the courses each time. 
on the game table, so it has good replayability. It's kind of an intro to deck builders. Now, if you don't know what a deck builder is, I'm not going to spend the time now to discuss that, but I will point you to one other board game podcast I've done for Rule Breaker Investing. So you can click back to June 22nd of 2016, which is entitled Five Board Games That Will Make You a Better Investor. By the way, all five of those could make good gifts this holiday season. You can go back and listen to that where I talk in particular about Dominion, which is a wonderful sort of the formative initial deck builder. So Quest for Eldorado kind of built on the shoulders of a game like Dominion, but one that has just been nominated for Game of the Year in Germany, the Spiel des Jahres. And uh, so congratulations to Reiner Knizia for getting on that list once again this year with a new game quest for Eldorado. All right, now we're entering geekier waters. And number four is Pandemic Legacy Season 2. Now, this is again a game that I've discussed before. In fact, on that same podcast, June 22nd of 2016, I talked about the game of Pandemic Legacy. Very briefly, legacy games change as you play them. Well, what do I mean by that? Let's pretend that there was a game called Scrabble Legacy. And there isn't actually, although maybe it's an idea for somebody out there. But if you were ever playing Scrabble Legacy, you'd play a game of Scrabble with your family. A lot of us know Scrabble. Some of us even love Scrabble. I certainly like Scrabble. So you play a game of Scrabble. At the end, whoever wins is able to do something to change the following game of Scrabble. So this is silly. But let's just pretend that my friend Rick Engdahl, the producer of Rule Breaker Investing, beats me in Scrabble. And afterwards, his reward is he's allowed to eliminate all of the vowels of one vowel type from our Scrabble board. And so, Rick, the devil that he is, selects E, the most common vowel. And so, the second game of Scrabble will play together, there are no E's. Now, again, this is not a game that exists. I'm not sure Scrabble Legacy would be a good game, and I'm not sure you'd want to pull the vowels from the game, and why would you pick the E, Rick? But you understand that Legacy Games, which is a new innovation within board games, change from one session to the next. You get to write your name on the game board. In a game like Risk Legacy, which is a game, it's Risk as a legacy format, when you win, there's an unnamed continent you get to write your name in on it with a sharpie on the board. And next time you play, everybody has to refer to that continent by the name that you gave it, maybe your own given name. Everybody has to use your name to describe the continent, right? So that's what's happening in legacy games. And Pandemic Legacy was a huge hit in 2016. Well, Season 2, a new version of that is back. And this time, everybody starts out in the oceans. Picture a game board like Risk. All the players are starting in the ocean. They don't know what's on land. They know a few cities on the coasts. And that's how Pandemic Legacy Season 2, highly rated, highly reviewed, starts. That one is just out this fall. In particular, if you're a geeky gamer like my group or my family is, you may have already finished Pandemic Legacy Season 1, which we did. Maybe you didn't know. Season two's out. Well, it is. And it could make a great gift for the geeky gamer in your life. And now that finally brings me to number five, the most complex of all these games, and probably my favorite game release of the last 18 months. It's a game called Terraforming Mars. And one of the great things about this strategy game, in which each of us plays as a corporation that is out there on planet Mars beginning to terraform it. One of the great things about Terraforming Mars is how thematic it is, because you really are learning 
how Mars one day will be terraformed. For example, there are three key things that have to happen to terraform Mars. One is we need to raise the temperature. We need to turn it from a really cold planet to a much warmer planet through greenhouse gas release, is one theory. A second thing we need to do is we need to get some water down on that planet. So, how do you get water onto Mars and start to grow oceans? And the third thing you need to do is raise the oxygen level. It starts at 0%. We'll need to get it to 14% in order to terraform Mars. Once those three things happen, which are all done somewhat cooperatively by each of us players, once those three things happen, the game ends. But now we're going to count a score and see who did the best job, who contributed the most value to terraforming Mars. It's a combination of a game with both cards and a board. The cards, there's over 100 of them. Each one is unique. It has a little story about what you're doing with a cost, so you're going to be buying those cards. And then it has a board. You're going to be looking at Mars in front of you, playing your cards in order to start putting down tiles on the board and building out your corporate presence on Mars. I could go much longer into this one. It deserves it. I'm giving it short shrift here at the end of our gift-giving special. But I want you to know, I love this game. And yes, it has a little expansion or two that are starting to pop up as well. Well, each of these games to close is in stock at Amazon and other gaming sites, so none of them is a hard find or will take too long to ship. So, if you're inspired by any of these games at different levels of gamer geekiness, I hope you'll take a look. Many other games out there, too. It's a wonderful way to give a gift. Well, I hope this podcast felt like a gift for you. It certainly did for me. I thank the fools who gave their time and their insights. It was a lot of fun this week. We don't always have seven or eight voices on a Motley Fool Rule Breaker Investing Podcast, but I'll tell you, whenever I do, I have a great deal of fun with it. So, thank you to my fellow fools. Most of all, thank you for suffering a fool gladly this week in Rule Breaker Investing. Next week, I'll be back with a look at the year ahead. Yep, we're going to look at 2018, make some prognostications, think about business, and the markets will also be reviewing five stocks to put under the tree. That's right, a year ago, this week, I picked five stocks and said, let's put them under the tree, let's see how they did here in 2017. All that and more next week. And a reminder, if you're subscribed to this podcast via iTunes, Spotify, or one of a number of other venues, you're going to be getting a Rule Breaker Investing Extra this week in my conversation with David Campbell of All Hands Volunteers. Fascinating charity, great guy, really looking forward to sharing David with you. In the meantime, full on! As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against, so don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.